Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Pretty good. I uh, I was at Stick and Puck this morning, and I fell backward. I hit the goalpost, fell backwards, and hit my elbow on the ice, so I'm a little bit sore, but that's ah. hockey. That happens all the time. Didn't Did break have- it. Did you have your elbow pads on? No, and stick and puck, you just have to wear a helmet and uh, skates and gloves. So, When I was growing up, you know, Howie Meeker said to kids, you need two pieces of equipment. Everybody thought he was going to say can and something. And he said, and this was way before helmets were in vogue. He said, helmet and elbow pads. He said, if you fall backwards and land on the point of your elbow, you can seriously damage your elbow and, and, uh, the extended long term. And that really surprised me at the time. And I've never forgotten it excellent advice because it's absolutely true and um i i know uh one of the uh coaches for the Edmonton girls hockey association or an evaluator at the tryouts this year he fell backwards hit his elbow on the ice and smashed it i think he needed surgery oh. and he's a guy my age so it could easily have happened Ooh. to me and maybe i'll take that advice from howie and, and think about that going forward here so bruce a very strange i think it was a very strange game like just in the third period when the owners were down three two I was just thinking, this is the worst rancid, ugly game I've seen all year. The owners are just so flat, and they're just making so many mental mistakes um, going on out in this ice. It's just, it was hard to watch, frankly, because it was just the effort. I know it's hard to, when you're on a a four-game winning streak, like it's easy to, to forget how hard it takes to work and to have that desperation to keep it going. They sure didn't have it tonight. And yet they won 6-3. They doubled the score on the New Jersey Devils. So it turned out very well for the Oilers. You're going to win a few each year, each game, excuse me, each season that perhaps you don't necessarily deserve to win. But although when you look at the grade A shots, the Oilers had 19 to 14. Uh-huh. And uh, But on the five alarm chances, it was 8-6 to six for New Jersey. And the, most of the Oilers' five alarm chances come late in the third period i i do believe let me just count them up one two three four yeah. five 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 of the six come in the last 10 minutes of the third so my my or my feelings are or is it four of the six my feelings are about the orders you know this is before they they come back and then of course i was happy uh how are you doing bruce yeah they gave up a bunch in a row and then edmonton got the last they got the first two of the game and then they had, I think, uh, look the at last the sheet four. here, the last four. Yeah. And the opposition had a whole bunch in between times, eight in a row. So good start, good finish, scored first. Uh, I enjoyed the game more than you did from the sounds of that. Um, I, I enjoyed New Jersey. I thought they were fast. I thought they were dangerous. To get, they had some real high skill on display. I mean, they got two first overall draft picks, Heischer and uh, Hughes. And they both really had a puck on a string a couple of times and set up some good chances. And you make a little mistake against guys like that, and it's trouble, you know. And they uh, um pretty gutsy by them because apparently they had a flu bug running through the team to the extent that they had a handful of guys that were on intravenous. And so uh, I wondered at what point would they run out of gas. And finally, in the second half of the third period, when... Edmonton really upped their game down the stretch and Jersey couldn't match it. But up till then, they, they played with energy and they gave it they gave it a lot. So credit to them. Um, Edmonton had some good performances, some iffy, some sloppy. 
and uh, it was uh, the game was there for the taking right up to the last few minutes, and Edmonton took it. So credit yeah. to the Oilers. Like they had a line, iffy, sloppy, and dopey uh, <laughs> on the Oilers tonight, uh, or they were sprinkled through the lineup. Bruce, um, let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What's your for? What's your good thing? Well, I'm going to go with Edmonton's special teams in this game. They had to kill three penalties over the course of the game, and they uh, killed them well. The goalie was their best penalty killer, I think, on one occasion. Koskinen made a really outstanding stop. And otherwise, I thought the PK unit got the job done. A uh, uh, good job of, of uh, keeping the puck to the outside or jumping on it and getting it down when the, when the chances came. Uh, I'm thinking of one play where Ryan McLeod had to battle off two guys along the boards and and sort of force it out over the blue line after some uh, pressure and you know that's just just one example of of, of many a uh, couple good shot blocks by Darnell Nurse in there uh, and then uh, uh, so three out of three they got up the first three power plays and then they finally got one in the third period with the score tied at three. Oilers got one chance, and they absolutely made the most of it, scoring a goal after first creating one, two, three, four grade A shots uh, with uh, Dreisaitl, uh, Yamamoto from the edge of the crease, uh, Kane from in tight on a, on a deflection off a nice pass by Dreisaitl, and then finally they got a bounce when a McDavid pass uh, bounced off the defender and went right to Kane, and he popped it home. So a little lucky on the goal itself, but the power play just owned, and they were out there for uh, uh, 10, 32, yeah, it's about a minute and a half, but they were, uh, the Oilers got five shots in that minute and a half, more than Jersey got in six minutes of power play time, and of course, uh, the one goal, and that really was the difference in the game. Ultimately, of course, it was six to three, but when Edmonton took the lead to stay, it was because their special teams had worked on both sides of the puck and, and uh, delivered the goods. Yeah, um, I'd have to watch the PK. The hardest thing I find for myself to evaluate is the penalty kill um, mm-hmm. to figure figure yeah. out exactly what they're doing. Uh, but it strikes me, Bruce, that they're a little less aggressive, like a little less um, trying to win the puck, playing a little bit more... Uh, it's always a zone defense, of course, but they actually did play quite a bit of man-to-man. The strategy previously was to force the puck to the outside and get it get it into the corner and then kind of play a four-man game and hope the other team couldn't beat you. Um, so like a four-man game, like there's four players on the other team and you, you're covering all four of those kind of, and there's on the way far on the other side of the ice, there's the fifth attacking player. So that was kind of the playfair penalty kill, and it worked great for a long time until it didn't mm-hmm. work. No. Um, now, it's, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it seems a bit more, um, they're in a bit more in a box and just kind of waiting and then a little bit less aggressive overall, but it's it certainly worked that game. And then on the power play, as you say, like Kane in the middle of the ice, Bruce, um, one of your comments was such a nice option to have that player mm-hmm. there. And he really is good because he's got a great shot. Gr- quick shot that he can get off fast he's so strong he's strong yeah. he's big he's aggressive he's skilled so so you don't you know usually to have a player like that they would need dry saddle in that spot but it's probably not the best use of leon 
to have him in that kind of screening bumper position. You want him on the wings, I think, and making plays and controlling the puck. So when you have him there, I I never really like it. I think, ah, that's not, that's not your best power play, but now they've got this cane in the middle and, um, paid off tonight. Obviously he, he, he just jumped on that puck and slammed it in the net and it's not for the first time. It won't be for the last. It's a, he is a very effective player, very skilled attacker. Yeah, the specific play I said nice option was the one where uh, they they tried the old Sedin play, you know, where the two Sedins, one shoots from the face-off dot and the other one's halfway between and off to the side to the net and he just kind of a shot pass and he deflects it. Yeah. And that was what they tried there. And I'm with you. I'd rather have Leon being the passer there and Kane being the deflector than the other way around, you know. Think yeah, it's better when he's sort of initiating the play as he did there. That nearly worked. And you know, you don't want really want Nuge or McDavid there either, which is your typical players who are who are tried there and used there. And it, I don't think that is particularly best use of either of those players. So, I mean, if you have Nuge, McDavid, and Drysaddle kind of roaming around the outside, and then Kane as the guy in the middle, that's that's going to be an interesting power play. Although there's so many options, they have Yamamoto, Puliyarvi who hasn't been out on the power play and, and since he got back, and Hyman um, can all get it done there. Bruce, my good... ...was really strong. Um, he made just a number of fantastic saves. He, um, you know, he was, he was beat on the one goal where um, the player put it in off his the back of his body, but that is a tough play. It's a play that NHL players are starting to look for now. And uh, the New Jersey attacker executed it very well. Then you could, so you could blame him for that. You could say that's, that's on him and that's, that's fair. Other than that though, he was, I just think super solid in the net. As we said, he had um, eight five alarm chances and four. uh, That's a subset of 14 grade a shots. And, uh, he got the job done. I I would say he was a seven or an eight tonight. Probably I would I might even give him an eight. Uh, I thought he was, especially in comparison to the New Jersey goaltender. Now the New Jersey goaltender Colton Gillies had 19 Grade A shots, which is cool. which is a lot. Um, John Gillies. Is that it, John? It's not. Oh, it's yeah. John Gillies. Yeah. Colton must. Be, is that Clark Gillies' son, the forward? Yeah, there's another player that they played recently. But anyway. Um. Anyway, so so uh, excuse me, John Gillies. He let in two really bad goals, I thought. The the mm-hmm. first one, uh, where Pugliarvi comes down the wing. <laughs> Poor guy. He 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 doesn't know where the puck is. No one's telling him like it's on the other side of the ice, my friend. And he he causes that goal against by losing sight of the puck and losing track of the play. And of course, the last person, when you <sighs> lose track of the play that you want on the stick, it's well, there's two people on the orders you really don't want to have it, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And it fell to Leon, and he made a nice play to move into the slot um, after Pugliarvi kind of popped it out there and put it right in. But that was on the goalie. Um, he just lost track of the play. And then Tyson Berry's goal. Um, and, and I know they, they NHL players are starting to score from there as well, right? Yep. Like this is a play they're looking Happens for. a lot. They're, they're looking for, and it's and it's and it's a feature, not a bug, of the goaltending today, where they they have this tactic now of taking. Whatever they're doing, I'm not a goalie expert, obviously. <laughs> they're trying to be ready, I think, to push off to the middle mm-hmm. of the net. Is that yeah. it? And they're, and they're down on their knee and they're trying to cover cover off the net. But they get down and then there's this little, there's a spot about this big. Right there. 
over their shoulder. NHL players can hit that spot goal, like, you know, goalie coaches, like, and they're starting to. So the, this is a chat. This is a, this has got the propane going. Uh, or you, I thought you were looking out the window there. This is, this is a, this is a chance of the offense catching up to the defense and starting to take advantage of, of this. And it doesn't work for the Oilers. Right <laughs> yeah. Right there. Because <laughs> Koskinen and Smith have been letting in this kind of goal. Smith has been let in a number of this kind of goal this year. And, um, Cost, mainly Smith actually comes to mind. And this was one. And it's just like, they just feel like stinker goals. And that was the turning point of the game. The, the Devils had gotten a 3-2 lead. Oh. And they were they were well ahead, uh, you know, in terms of the flow of play. They were getting all the chances. Everything was going their way. They were clearly the better team. And then that happened. And then finally the Oilers get their first power play. And New Jersey was extremely ill-equipped it looked like to handle an Oilers power play at least when the Oilers had the momentum in in that moment mm-hmm. and the players were all loosened up and ready to go and they just stuck the knife in there but I I was not I didn't I, I just those two goals they were the difference in the game the Oilers I don't think were the better team but they had the better goaltender tonight and that's why they won mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah I didn't hate the from a goaltender's perspective. I mean, that Barry shot that was a laser. Like the the the, the, the space is there, and it's sort of if you can hit, make a perfect shot, they're they're going to go in sometimes. Sometimes these days, you even see the goalie move their head and they try and stop it with their mask. You see more plays where the goalie makes a head save, and that's because guys are literally trying to shoot it either past their ear or off their ear and into the net. Like it's it's well, it hit his head on, first. It's all open season on goalies there. It either goes over their shoulder, or it bounces in off their ear hole. Either way, it's not much fun for the for the netminder to have uh, you know snipers uh, firing away there. I mean, we saw one early in the year where Stutzla beat Koskinen in overtime down there in Ottawa with a wicked shot like that, and, and he you know he had time and space, and Koskinen was trying to take away as many options as he could because he had a passing option as Barry did today. And he made the shot. So for me, yeah. Uh, I th- Sorry, go ahead. He, he had more problems losing, uh, losing his net, uh, Gillies, like on the first goal, and kind of unlucky on the on the Kane goal that that happened as well. And there was a third one where again he was kind of on the wrong side of the net and didn't quite get over there. So yeah, he wasn't. He made some good saves too, but he had a couple. Couple of tough ones. He did make some good saves, but um, and and the one and Barry's. I there was a tick when Barry's shot went in. I could hear a tick, and I was thinking, did Fogel touch it? I had to watch it. I watched it about ten times, and Fogel didn't touch it, but it hit the goalie's head. I think the goalies in the NHL are going to start to get like like dinosaur masks, like uh, yeah, you know some you of those triceratops with a flared thing out on the side, oh. Oh. <laughs> so they can so they can stop them. Garth Snow used, used to wear these elevated shoulder pads. He oh, had yeah. stilts under his shoulder pads, so the shoulder pads came up to like here. And again, yeah, that look, that looks like a real humanoid playing goal there. But they allowed it for a long time. They finally outlawed it. But, so, alrighty, uh, your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, I thought the pairing of uh, Duncan Keith and Evan Bouchard had a tough afternoon, especially tough in the early going of this game when uh, they got beaten 
uh, for several excellent scoring opportunities and the first New Jersey goal. Uh, Keith in the uh, first shift, you know, two minutes into the game, made a bad pinch that uh, led to a dangerous, I think that was a two-on-one Koskinen made the save. Uh, then uh, uh, he and Bouchard were beaten by a pass right between the two of them uh, uh, for a breakaway for, that was Heischer, wasn't it? Went in and deked. Oh, no, Jesper Bratt that went in and deked yeah. Koskinen. That was a nice goal by New Jersey, but the defense got beat. Uh, Keith allowed a pass on another one after Cassian turned the puck over. There was a dangerous two-on-one. He wasn't able to take that one out. And at the end of the day, we had uh, 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 Keith uh, involved in five grade-A shots against and 0-4. And many of those grade-A shots were actually five alarm shots. Yeah. One, two, three, four of them at least. Yeah. And, four, and out he of, was... four out of the five. And he was often like not just responsible, but the main guy responsible. Yeah. And of course, yeah. this this it's funny because I had just praised him, like <laughs> I just you know, read the post works, where I eh? praised him. That's how it works. <laughs> so I know it's not all about me, but uh, he well, he has yeah. been playing extremely well. But man, he he made some bad decisions uh, early in the game. I mean, he you know the breakaway play. I don't know how that happens. The first one, and uh, yeah, and he and Bouchard got beat on another breakaway play in the second. It was mainly on Bouchard that, that where the guy missed the net, and um, yeah, there was lots. There was that we didn't. There was lots of chaos when they were on the ice in the first half of the game. They settled down in the second half, but man, that was a very that was back to the future. Like that was like what we've seen from those two previously. They had got it under control, but some the hockey happens fast, and you start to make mistakes, get behind, and then it starts adding up fast. And I agree, Bruce. They, they they did not have a strong game on defense, and and it's it's a question mark um, whether they will be able to get it together. It's one of the big issues for the Oilers. Is if I think Cece and Nurse are now forming a solid top pairing, and um, Cody Cece's playing just he's playing great hockey, game in game out. He's having good game after good game. He's just churning them out like on a cookie cutter lineup, you know, a, a production line. And um, mm-hmm. nurse, nurses, nurses trended down, but I think he's settling down a little bit now. CC at his side, and is playing better more recently. Keith has been playing great for the last two and a half months. They're playing good at least. And uh, but tonight was the the exception to that general rule. Hopefully, he'll, it's just one game. It can happen to it happens to defensemen. It happens to players. Yes. Yeah, CC was. Uh... Strong again today. Five block shots for Cece, two for Nurse, and Nurse's two were very important blocks. I thought either of those shots could well have gone in the net. I think one with like one second to go in a period, and the other was on the penalty kill, if I recall. Yeah, Darnell, 23 minutes for Darnell. So he's, they're not they're not overusing him. So Bruce, my I, I've been going back and forth on my bad thing, and I was going to say Leon Dreisaitl, because mm-hmm. uh, he... He led the team in, at even strength, at least, on major mistakes on grade-A shots against. He made six of them. And uh, there there was two that stood out. There was one where there was two players battling behind the net. And Leon decided, well, he would go join them. And he, and he it was a, quite an extended battle. And he's just kind of sitting there out of position because there's a guy wide open in the, in the slot. And the, eventually, New Jersey wins the 
the puck and put it puts it to the guy right in the slot and they almost score and that's Leon was the you know he's the low forward he's got to be he's got to read that play better and cover off the slot area um and because you, you, you can't be outnumbered in the slot you can be outnumbered behind the net even you, uh but someone's got to be out there and uh he was, he was blocking not out idle. one one side pass out one side and the pass came out the other side and yeah. there's two wingers kind of played Alphonse and Gaston in terms of getting over there too. So it was kind of a team. It was like this big, long, long, it was like 10 or more seconds behind the net. And all of a sudden, bam, there's a guy alone in front with the puck. And, you're, oh. and Leon so, also had a pretty wicked turnover, which led to the, a, a big mm-hmm. goal for, it was the third goal for New Jersey. He was just carrying the puck out of his own and he decided to decommand at the blue line, which is, you know, uh, an iffy play. Um, to do that, although there was two defensemen with him, probably one of them should have been more conservative. But he got deked, and it led to a, a, a very dangerous scramble, and eventually uh, got slammed in the net. So there was there was a couple plays, but you know there was other as you have you know you were we were talking about this before, and you pointed out that he had some seven seven takeaways. So he has he has his good moments and bad moments, and they were mixed. It was a high event game, we'll say of Leon. But I'm going to reserve my bad thing, Bruce, for a different play. <laughs> Now that I've attacked Leon, snuck in an extra. I'm taking my number. <laughs> oh, did I? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Did you tell me that was going to be your number? Maybe you no, uh, You I'm did sorry. tell me that. Okay. Bruce, you got no end of numbers, though, right? I'm hoping no, I got you have lots another. Of numbers. Okay, good. Yeah. You're like, I, I, I'm confident in your ability to conjure up another number. Uh, my bad thing was playing Zach Cassian on the <laughs> top line. And I don't know why. Like, I, he decided would, things weren't going well in this game, so Woodcroft, I think, decided to shake things up and see if he could get something more out of it, even though his team was up at that point, 2-1. to one. And I'm not sure if that was the right call. Maybe it is, but if you're going to shake it up, like, I don't... We are well past the time when Zach Cassian should be on the top line with the Edmonton Oilers, on the, in the top six. I don't think... And especially not against maybe if you're facing Eric Goodbranson on on the defense and he's like roughing up Connor McDavid all game, I could see a just. But you're playing the New Jersey Devils, which are this is not a physical team at all. It it isn't. It's, I mean, there's the one guy who's a kind of a fighter, Gertson. But other than that, this is there's no hitters on this team. There's no tough guys. This is a re, this is a soft NHL hockey team by NHL standards. This is one of the softer teams. You don't need Zach Cassian to play with Connor McDavid. And what happens? You're out there for the first shift of the third period. The Oilers break in, and there's a there's a rush out. It doesn't even seem that dangerous a rush, but it turns into an odd man rush because someone is slow on the back check, Zach Cassian, and he just wasn't he wasn't awake. He was going slow, and they get a shot on net, which goes behind the net and then is deflected in off Koskinen. But if if Zach Cassian is alert and he's on the back check, that doesn't go in the net. So players will make mistakes. Everyone has their weak back checks now and then. So it's not necessarily that play that I'm I'm upset about. I just don't get, though. You're essentially limiting McDavid on the attack when you put him with Cassian because he can't really keep up. He's not very strong on the attack. He should be playing limited minutes on a, on a lesser line. And I see... Other than the example that I gave where you're playing a goon team that's gooning up McDavid, I see no exceptions to that. So I don't know what, 
what Woodcroft was thinking. We have a th- we had a theory. Go ahead, Bruce. You can say what our theory was there, but why that promotion oh. happened. Well, I thought that um, Cassian engaged Geertsen after a play where Geertsen had taken a sort of a shot at one of the Oilers at, at the whistle. I never went back to re-identify who it was, but it was one of the skilled players. And throughout the uh, stoppage, as I lined up, you know, he was talking to him. And this was one of those cases and, and where I, I thought Cassian was standing up for a teammate. And usually he just fights his own battles, Cassian. Like, I don't see him as being the Dave Semenko, Dave Brown kind of kind of enforcer that uh, that specifically, uh, you know, takes care of, <laughs> of, of business, of looking after the... After, uh, the stars, but I think that was what happened there, and it may well have been a reward from the coach. I'm not saying that's, that there was or that it was right or wrong for it to to get a shift there, but uh, it uh, went on longer than it needed to because he was struggling today, Cassian, and uh, yeah, a couple of bad turnovers inside his own line, and and uh, uh, I thought it easily could have took three minor penalties. He got called for one, and the, the one was actually the least of the three infractions that, um, that, and it's, uh, you know, he's, again, he's still just getting back in, into it. His first game without the, the bubble, um, but it wasn't a great day's work for Cassian, but he, you know, I mean, he was front and center a couple of times for sure. And that was a whale of a tilt. I mean, it, for those people who like the old Scott school uh, scraps, those two guys weren't playing a lot of defense and, uh, Mason Geertsen, he is one tough guy. He used to play for the All Kings, eh? And, and he got traded for uh, David Musial way back in the day. Well, that's a the, long time ago. At the, de- at the deadline in uh, uh, the one year that Musial came in, the Oilers had four draft picks playing on the Oil Kings at the same time. So. He used to take Oil King after Oil King after Oil King with high, high picks and never worked out too well. Mitch, Mar- Mitch Maraz, uh uh, Martin Gurnat and Travis Awanek and David Musil. I think those were the yeah. four simultaneous on that 2013 Kings team. Anyway, Geertsen was t- the reason Vancouver wanted him at that time, Giants, was uh, he was a young, really tough player. Yeah. Still, he still is. He I, I hated oh. that fight, honestly. <laughs> okay. I hated it. I hated every second of it because all I'm thinking is to the extent Cassian is a good player, like he can help the team by hitting and and being an energy player. And I just thought he's going to get hurt again. Because this has been his story. Like, he's been in fights. He gets hurt. He's, he's, he, and he did take a pretty hard landing at the end of it on the ice. And I just thought, I'm just tired of, I'm tired of him seeing him get injured fighting. And maybe he just, maybe they just think he's got to be the guy. But I don't know. I'm not, I didn't like it. He's been hurt by my count seven times since the beginning of, calendar 2021 so basically the last short season plus this one three times on LTIR and he got uh he got a concussion in one fight in the preseason this year he broke his fist his you know finger or whatever punching a guy in the visor in Ottawa last year missed a month and uh, he also had a not a concussion but you know a head injury that he was wearing the bubble at all right from a broken jaw when he got hit with a puck i mean that may not technically be a concussion but it's not good and so you worry a little bit about the noggin after a while but uh, he clearly wanted to get rid of that shield and get back into the action and he did that today 
Well, he's obviously got a lot of guts. Like, I, yeah. he's, he's a big, <laughs> bold individual. Like, there's no doubt about it. And a fearsome hockey, you know, fearsome hockey player. He's a big Bobby Clubber if there ever was one. Yeah. But I didn't. And, I, and I'm not someone like sometimes I like fights. Like, I'm not saying I always hate the hockey fights. Sometimes I like hockey fights. But I didn't like that one. I just thought he's just got his mask off for the first time. And, he, you know, his his head hit the ice um, a couple times, I think, this year after fights. And because um, his helmet flew off and or. Yeah. yeah, I just I hate I don't want to I don't want to see him fight. And, and you know, I'd like to see him play hockey. And because uh, I think he can still help the Oilers as a hockey player if he's conscientious defensively and if he's forechecking hard okay. and just make that his focus. Forget this fighting stuff. But anyway, that's 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 what he does. Uh, number. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with the whole row of numbers. I was just going to pick one, but I'm looking at Leon Dreisaitl, who I thought was great in this game, even with the scoring chances that, that we've documented. Uh, one goal, one assist, two points plus two. He played 23 minutes and 24 seconds, most of any player, forward or defenseman on the Oilers. Uh, he had uh, uh, also 21 minutes at five on five, most on the Oilers. Five shots, 11 shot attempts, which his shot totals have been down lately. So this is a really good sign. Uh, one giveaway, seven takeaways, seven takeaways. Like that's, I can't remember the last time I saw seven takeaways. Certainly wasn't this year uh, by anybody in the orders, at least. And he was just all over the puck. Uh, let me get to the end of the line first, though. Face-offs, 21 wins, seven losses, 75%. And that is one terrific long line on the event summary. Uh, pretty good shot shares. And uh, he was on for one goal against and 4-4, and four, four, counting the power play goal. And just all over the puck, David, that's three times in the first period alone, just absolutely stole the puck off of a off of a uh, New Jersey guy, twice in the neutral zone, once in the defensive zone. Once he stole it in the center and he just came charging back up the ice himself and barged through the defender and, and came in alone on goal. And then uh, a couple of dazzling rushes like that. And I just thought he was a, a very proactive player. Uh, struggled a bit in the first half of the third period. Um, otherwise, yeah. uh, I thought he was brilliant in this game. He, uh, to be fair to him, he did make the six major mistakes on grade A shots against, but he made nine major contributions to grade A chances for. Okay. So that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Nine's a pretty good total in a game. Um, mm -hmm. Well, the power so. play goal that the Oilers got, it was really all five guys. And the the pass never reached dry saddle that bounced to Kane, uh, but the whole reason Edmonton had the puck in in, in uh, Jersey zone in the first place was Tyson Berry went all the way into the one corner, past the hash marks, made a great play to reach and chip puck before it was going to get cleared down the ice, and so New Jersey got it in the corner and they tried to rifle it around the boards and ring it out the other side and dry saddle picked it off behind the net, and got the cycle going again. He never touched the puck again after that, but it wound up in the net. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and uh, he also made a nice pass to Hyman right on the goal there. Um, I'll say that was a very nice play, very quick play. Um, I should also point out that on Barry's goal, there was a lot of great offensive zone play. Good, you know, there was uh, Barry and Russell both were pinching hard and won the puck 
the whole that whole group of players won the puck two or three or four times in that sequence, and that was a good, you Russell, know, hard Russell work. Made a goal. real nice play there. Yeah, he did a nice pass. One. Yeah, and yeah. some some smart plays. Chris Russell, I, it's nice to see him play well. Honestly, I thought we might not see that again. He is such mm-hmm. a, he, he is a he is a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. um, because of how smart he is as a hockey player and, and, and hardworking. He's a very smart defensive hockey player. And now and then he's smart on the attack too. And he was on that play both. He reversed it once on the board, like he was on the boards and he passed it in the opposite direction. And then, then he, then he walked the line to put it over to Barry on a very nice pass on the goal itself. Bruce, my number is, go ahead. One other play that surprised me a little bit where uh, it looked like New Jersey was going to get in over the Edmonton, blue line and he made a good play to sort of nip the puck before it got into a dangerous spot but where basically a hundred times out of a hundred I would expect him then to take the puck back over his own blue line and do the Russell reset and instead the, he got the puck and it was gone just an instant transition pass to hitting a, a teammate near the attacking blue line and this was fairly early in the game just sort of wow that was Chris Russell did that they, they really must be coaching this get the puck ahead quick because that's not the game of Chris Russell that we've come to know and love. But it sure was on that play. And you wonder if that's a coaching thing. And I'd say there's one thing about Chris Russell. He's probably pretty coachable. If the coaches want the team to do things, he will do, try and do things that way. Yeah, and it, and it may well be a coaching thing. I mean, they have the defensemen to make plays like that. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. you t- try to take advantage of it? Bruce, my number is three. This is the third time... This season, the Oilers have won five games in a row. And they did it early in the year. They actually won six in a row then. Uh, they did it again under Tippett, right? This unexpected win streak that almost saved Tippett's job, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Um, this is in early, late January, early February. Uh, let me just go. 5 0 right. 1, wasn't it, that streak? Let me just they go to my chart. Overtime loss in there, the. The Stutzler goal I referenced earlier was in there, but five and zero oh plus the one. Batman. I'm not sure about that. So they, I have the, I have them beating the Islanders on the. Oh, is this maybe early? Oh no, this is actually the first. This is under Woodcroft. This is when Woodcroft first took over. Oh right, yes. I'm incorrect, but that was Tippett in charge. Uh, uh, yeah, and you're probably right about um, the Tippett one there. You're right, Bruce. There was a four-game winning streak, and then they lost in overtime, and then they won another um, with in Tippett's last stand. Almost saved his job. He just, but then those two losses came to um, Vegas and Chicago, and they just looked so bad. Anyway, then they won five straight under um, Woodcroft. New York Islanders, San Jose Sharks, LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, and Winnipeg Jets. And now they're on it. They're doing it again. Now they have a chance to go to six games. Uh-huh. And it's going to be really hard, but I, I don't, I would, I'd say it's a coin flip. I think that they had a well. a game that was a wake up call tonight about their work ethic and they're going to hear it and they will feel it themselves. They will feel the mistakes that they made and be thinking, what the heck was I doing out there on that play? Like, and, and a number of players will be thinking that. And, um, I think a, a win like this, just like the win against Detroit allows a reset when you, when you kind of screw up in victory. It, then you often come out the next game revitalized. And against Buffalo, the Oilers were really good again. So I think we're going to see the Oilers have a, if they can get some goaltending, there's always that if. But I think we're going to see a really strong Oilers effort against the Avalanche on Monday night. 
Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, I, I, I was I was more nonplussed by the Detroit game than I was by today's game. And, and both games, I gave the other team credit. But, uh, you know, the Oilers, uh, this is the third game in a row that they scored six goals on the other guys. They've, they've had seven games all year with six or seven goals. And three of them have been the last three games in a row. And mind you, these were the three games where people are saying they're, they're playing against teams they should beat. Well, guess what? They put up a six spot or more on all three of those teams. Not bad. Beat them, beat them they did. Uh, and so their their offense is, uh, uh, is really starting to uh, to pick it up. It's, uh, it's nice to see. And there's a few empty net goals in there. I think the home stand, three empty net goals, but they scored 27 times in a five-game stand. At least four in every game. Gotta like it. Alrighty, I guess we can leave it there. You're going to be doing the game grades. I sure am. All right. Well, good. I hope you get get them Happy get grade. them done fast, for, so you can have a relaxing <laughs> evening. Thanks well, for talking there. tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>